This podcast is a presentation of UCTV.TV, University of California Television. Like what you learn? Help others discover UCTV podcasts by leaving a comment or rating in iTunes. I'm really glad to be here. The um, Center for Start Services is located um, in the Institute on Disability, as you can see, at the University of New Hampshire. Um, and we do implementation of the START model, which I'll talk about a little later in the slides, um, and also do um, some research through the Center for Start Services and provide um, training across the country. No disclosures to report. Um, so I'm going to talk a little bit, start out with the first half of this, talking a little bit about IDD and mental illness. It's, for some of you, it may be common knowledge. For others, it may be new, but I'll just try to do a brief overview and then to talk a little bit about what the START model is and um, how it's getting implemented in, in California. Um, so 30 to 40% of, of people with IDD have um, a psychiatric disorder, and that's a little higher compared to the general population. Um, of those folks, 10 to 20% have some type of challenging behavior um, that impacts their daily life and, and causes difficulty, especially for people around them who are, who are trying to support them. Um, yet we know that many times that these psychiatric disorders are missed um, or not treated or sometimes misdiagnosed. So we may have inappropriate diagnoses for folks. Um, and that's because with mental illness, it often presents a little differently um, in people with intellectual disabilities. Um, and as the level of intellectual disability um, is lower, it, it's, it becomes even a little more, more challenging. Um, but what we do know is that all individuals with IDD can, can exhibit the full range of psychiatric disorders that are experienced by the general population. Um, the, the things that are common in the general population, depression, anxiety, are also common, very common in people with IDD, more common than, than more severe dis disorders. Um, unfortunately, we also know that trauma is very prevalent um, in the population of folks with IDD. So those are the most common diagnoses that, that we should see or should expect to see in people with IDD. Um, things like bipolar disorder, psychosis, schizophrenia um, are far less common in, in that population. And, and if they do occur, they're very severe. But as you all, if you work in the field, probably recognize we probably have some overdiagnosis of, of things like schizophrenia or bipolar disorder in this population um, due to, again, some, to some kind of complications in terms of being able to make accurate diagnosis um, in people with IDD. But what we should expect to see is that more people with IDD would present with depression, anxiety, trauma symptoms, um, and less people with IDD would present with things like schizophrenia. Um, with schizophrenia, um, there and with all these diagnoses, as we talked about on the first slide, there's the, the prevalence of them all is a little higher in folks with IDD um, just because of additional vulnerabilities. But again, we, we often see an overdiagnosis of some of the more severe um, uh, psychiatric diagnoses. The things that we need to be very aware of in terms of, of those misdiagnoses or missing things is, is what we call diagnostic overshadowing. Um, and that's the tendency for us to, and for our system over time, and I think we're getting better at this, but a tendency to attribute anything that presents behaviorally, emotionally, socially 
to attribute that to the developmental disability and not try to dig deeper and figure out what's really going on. Um, we know that comorbid medical conditions often are missed in people with IDD um, because people focus on the externalized behavior that might be going on um, and connect it back to some type of psychiatric disorder or, or just say it's related to the developmental disability and kind of miss some medical conditions. Um, so for just example, you know, if you have an individual with autism that may present, let's say, in an emergency room and, um, and the, the attending there sees somebody with autism, knows they have autism, they may just attribute the hit, somebody hitting their head to the autism, to a stereotype behavior, um, and really don't investigate further. And the person may, in fact, have an impacted tooth or a headache or a migraine or something else going on. So um, we have to be very careful about that diagnostic overshadowing. It applies to medical conditions, but also applies to psychiatric conditions. Um, so somebody presenting with some, for example, hitting their head, maybe somebody when we start to, to look underneath, maybe somebody experiencing anxiety or depression. So we have to kind of look beyond and not let the diagnosis of intellectual and developmental disability overshadow other things that might be at play. In interpreting some of the symptoms that we see for folks with IDD, um, again, there's some, um, some issues that come up that make it a little more difficult to make the diagnoses often in people with IDD. So we have to be, there's four of these I wanna just touch on. Um, and one thing I'll say before I even talk about this is that um, we talk about symptoms in, in terms of mental illness and psychiatric disorders often. Um, and for most of, for a lot of people, symptoms are something that we report. So we're able to say, um, I'm feeling down, I'm feeling blue, I, I don't have any energy, you know, use a lot of words to describe how we're feeling and people can, you know, our mental health professionals can interpret that. Um, for folks with IDD, um, sometimes it's harder for folks with IDD to communicate that. Sometimes it's harder for us to listen too. So we have to be very in tune um, to listen when people are reporting symptoms. Um, but sometimes we also have to rely on kind of external signs and pay attention to, to external signs because the person is not as good a reporter of their internal states. So one thing I mentioned, the gave the example in the previous slide about um, somebody with autism maybe hitting their head. Um, and sometimes what happens is somebody has something, that kind of presentation, and on a regular basis, this person with autism who may also have fragile X, um, on, on a daily basis, sometimes will tap themselves on the head. Um, whether And they may be excited, happy, they may be upset, but, but that's just something that happens. Um, but when we see that change in intensity or um, frequency, we need to pay attention to it. And sometimes we miss that because, again, they could present in, an, in a crisis situation and the question could be asked, do they usually hit their head? And the response might be, yes, they do that pretty regularly. But if you miss the fact that they're doing it more frequently, more intensely, um, then we may miss an underlying um, medical or psychiatric issue that might be going on with that person. Another thing we need to be aware of is um, intellectual distortion or kind of the, the with people that have IDD who have difficulty with more abstract thinking, sometimes with their receptive expressive language skills, often the questions that are asked in psychiatric settings or in emergency settings um, are too complex um, for the person to, to understand, and especially in their, if they're in a situation where they're highly stressed. Um, so sometimes the answers don't really mean anything. 
um, when we get the answers to these questions. So this is a classic example, and you've probably heard it before, but do you ever hear voices um, is a question that is asked if people present in some type of acute crisis, especially in a psychiatric setting. Um, and often the person with IDD responds yes, um, for obvious reasons, because of abstract lack of abstract thinking. Um, and if you just ask that question very concretely, a lot of us could say yes if we answered it very concretely. Um, but what we do if somebody asks us that question is know what the context is. We know if somebody asks us, do you hear voices, they're asking us about hallucinations. And for people with IDD, sometimes they miss that subtlety. So they may answer that question on a very concrete, concrete basis. And again, when we don't pay attention to these things, we may miss some potential signs and symptoms. Um, a third area to be aware of is what we call psychosocial masking. So really understanding um, what is developmentally appropriate for that person. Um, and a good example of this is, um, and I'll start with the imaginary friend. So sometimes people with IDD may have an imaginary friend or have a um, particular character that they really like from a show or from a comic book or something um, and may talk about this person, talk to this person, um, and it can be mistaken for a delusion. When in fact, developmentally, this person having an imaginary friend is really not that unusual. We know children at different ages go through different stages of, of having imaginary friends. And if you really press the person, they would know the person wasn't really real. They, they you know, it may be a character that they really like. So sometimes we can go that way and call something a delusion when it's not. Other times we may miss that somebody actually is experiencing delusions um, because there, if you think about delusions, often for the general population, they're kind of grandiose or big, like I'm, you know, I'm Jesus Christ or I'm the president of the United States or something very large. Um, but for people with IDD, their worldview is a little smaller often and their world experience is a little sm so, um, smaller. So sometimes something like believing they're the chief of police um, could actually be a delusion if it's something that's out of the ordinary for that person and comes um, and it shows up kind of abruptly that we need to be careful with, with thinking about these. So again, taking into consideration the developmental um, level of the person and what's developmentally appropriate. And then a the fourth area to think about is um, this issue of kind of cognitive reserve. Um, people that have ID are more at risk for kind of decompensating under high levels of stress not being able to use their skills, not being able to effectively use their language, um, getting very quiet and not responding um, and having difficulty communicating feelings when they're under a lot of stress. Um, because of vulnerabilities that are a part of intellectual and developmental disabilities, the ability to kind of stop and think and reflect and figure out what's really going on sometimes is impaired under, under high levels of stress. And then this can lead to somebody in the moment looking like they may be are experiencing psychosis um, or are manic or, or something that that's not true because it's just happening in that moment because the person is under a lot of stress and they're not able to, to draw on that cognitive reserve um, to be able to kind of problem solve and think their way through that. So from I'm talk a little moving to kind of talking a little bit about start one of the this quote kind of 
to me, underlines a lot of what starts about. So and kind of relates to what we just talked about. Um, beneath every behavior is a feeling and beneath every feeling is a need. And when we meet that need, rather than focus on the behavior, we begin to deal with the cause and not the symptom. And that is really what um, the START program and, and what we try to teach and consult on and what we try to do with the programs that we implement is to really take time for people that are experiencing mental health symptoms and mental health crisis to really figure out not only how do we solve stabilize something in the immediate situation, but how do we begin to unpeel this onion and figure out what is beneath some of these externalizing behaviors that we're seeing. So in terms of the crisis, we, we like to define crisis as a problem without the tools to address it. So START is really a systems approach to addressing mental health needs and crisis in people with IDD. Um, so things arise in people within our system because we often have um, siloed systems of ID and mental health and physical health. They're often in kind of silos. And so people that are in the IDD system who are experiencing mental health symptoms, sometimes the folks in that system are not equipped to haven't dealt with um, mental health symptoms before. In the mental health realm, sometimes somebody with IDD shows up there and they feel like they're not equipped or don't have the skills or the knowledge to work with somebody with IDD. So um, from that perspective, the crisis is because the, the tools to address it are not readily available to the people responding. Um, so that is one of the goals of START is to try to bring some of those tools to the system and try to help with um, communication and collaboration between some of the silos that are often present um, in our systems. In order to have effective systems and services for people um, with IDD, we talk about the three A's, access, appropriateness, and accountability. So first, we need to have access to mental health services, medical services, the things you need for people with IDD. Um, and access means that it's there and that it's accessible, that you can get to it, that it's available when you need it. Um, and we, But we all know that access doesn't really answer the question because the service also needs to be appropriate and meet that person's needs. So does, the service needs to match what the person's needs are. And that's the area sometimes where there needs to be some work within a system. And then accountability is around um, really understanding each other's roles um, within the system. How do we bring, again, these silos that sometimes exist, bring them together, create linkages, um, help each other understand each other's role and share knowledge with each other as we try to support folks who may have needs in several different of our systems. So again, a systems linkage model, we're really trying to enrich and enhance the system. Start The start model um, does not come into a system to replace anything that already exists. We really are trying to fill in gaps and again, help to um, enhance the understanding of people that have IDD and mental health issues so that we can improve that capacity of the system. So we really are um, a model that tries to build capacity within systems um, and help develop some common language across some of the silos that exist for folks. Um, we create through the START model, and I'll show you in just a minute what a team looks like. Um, the teams work to create cross-systems crisis prevention um, response. Um, so we do both crisis intervention and, and prevention. 
Um, so we respond in crisis, but we also develop cross-system crisis plans, again, with the system to try to bring the system together to have similar responses to challenging situations. And we do that through assessment, through doing outreach to the system, to families, to schools, to parts of the system, um, providing therapeutic coaching to parts of the system to kind of help folks to understand um, strategies for, for working with individuals, um, provide training education, and again, really trying to, to come in and, and link the system together so that we can, again, increase that capacity. So though this is a very busy slide, I'll, I'll just point out that the, the, the very top, um, well, the second square down in the, the middle is, is the START team, which includes, and I've got another slide on this, but includes a director, um, clinical director, medical director, and then START coordinators who are master's level clinicians who, who are the ones who work in the field. Um, and then th this, regional, this regional team provides training consultation, therapeutic supports, a 24-hour crisis response, um, and receive support from the Center for START Services as they're learning to be a START team. So we provide that technical assistance and consultation um, to teams as they're learning to um, do the START model. And then the green boxes show kind of community partners and ways that we work within the community. So when a START team is, is developed, um, one of its primary goals is to try to assess the system and figure out what's out there, what's working, how do we partner with some of our community partners. Um, so a lot of linkages going on um, with the START model. Again, this is what I just described, but this is what a team typically looks like. So in California, um, developmental disability services um, initially piloted a START team in San Andreas area and in the San Diego area. Um, so those teams have been operating now for a little over a year. Um, following that, they, there was an expansion into um, East Bay and Alta in the northern part of California, um, and then also into South Central, South, South Central LA and West Side um, in the southern part of California. Um, and I, the goal of California START is to expand to all of the regional center areas over time. So a START team, again, has these positions as part of it. The start coordinators, the number of those depends on the size of the region and, and the number of folks that will be served. Um, a coordinator typically serves between 20 and 30 people at a time. Um, I know I'm not going to have time to get through all my slides. I've put a lot of information in here, but I'll just quickly mention these kind of the core concepts and the slides have more specific information um, about each of these. Um, we're a tertiary care model, so we um, try to approach the system. Um, if you think about the tertiary care model, that there's a primary, secondary, and tertiary interventions. I'll show those in just a second. Um, and we're really trying to get people out of that tertiary crisis um, place where often people encounter folks with IDD and mental health issues in that crisis situation and trying to move the system toward providing more secondary or specialty services and trying to really push up into doing primary and preventive services for folks. We take a biopsychosocial approach. Again, you know, if we think about what I've covered earlier um, in terms of some of the challenges there are sometimes to making accurate diagnoses in folks with IDD, it really 
mandates that we take a broad approach to assessment. So we take a biopsychosocial assessment is really part of the beginning stages of, of somebody being referred to the START program. We're, we're trying to always rule out any medical, underlying medical issues that might be going on, really look at um, the person's vulnerabilities in terms of um, their IDD, executive functioning, those kind of things, and take a good look at their social and um, environmental um, support system that's around them and how do we assess that and then develop strategies to address some of the things that might be gaps for that person. Um, we're a positive psychology program. So um, we're really focused on trying to improve and enhance the well-being of people on a whole, right? We're trying to not only reduce the behaviors that often bring people to us, um, obviously that we don't want people to be in so much distress that they are using external behaviors to communicate to us. Um, but beyond that, we want people to have a full life um, and enhance their well-being overall. So really a positive psychology perspective from that. Um, and START is also an evidence-informed program. Um, this, the teams that um, are developed collect a lot of data on the folks that we're serving and on outcomes and on processes. Um, and the Center for START Services has a national database um, called SIRS, which I know is similar to in California to a to SIR, which is a incident reporting system, I think. But SIRS is um, is is a national database that we use to collect data on all the programs across the United States that implement the START model. So we have a wealth of information and that feeds some of our research, which in turn informs our practice. So we're, uh, we always are using what we're learning as we're um, doing the START model to um, help improve the practice that we do. The teams do that on the local level too. They receive um, frequent reports from our from our database, showing them where they are as a team. You can break that down to individuals and look across time at an individual's progress over time. We do some um, assessments that look at mental health symptoms. We track um, hospitalizations, emergency service use over time um, and, and see reductions in that over time. So that is a broad overview of kind of um, why START is coming into California. Um, and some of the ways that we work. I will say that, um, again, START is a systems level um, program, so we're never coming in to replace anything, again, that's in the system, but really START looks forward to working with community partners to enhance and build the capacity of the system to, to serve folks that have IDD and mental health issues that sometimes kind of fall through the cracks of our systems. Um, so, I'm going to just, I'm not going to go through all of these, but I do want to just, I mentioned the tertiary care model, but just to talk a little bit more about how that um, plays out with the START model. So as I mentioned, many times when people are referred to START, they're down in this tertiary intervention level. So they're people that are having crises, using emergency services, going to the emergency room. Um, and when you're in that, that place, you really have very few options in terms of how you respond. We definitely respond 24 hours a day to where that person is um, and try to stabilize. But then what we're trying to do, as I said, is understand what's really underlying um, the, the presenting problems. So we're going to try to move up into that secondary intervention, which is bringing expertise to bear on the system, using our, our um, 
medical director, connecting with other prescribers, treaters in the community, um, connecting with service providers in the community to work together with primary care doctors to work together um, to see if we can identify some underlying vulnerabilities that need to be addressed. And then always trying to kind of push up to this primary or preventive place where um, where we're helping the system to understand people with IDD mental health challenges so that we don't have to get to a point where somebody needs to use the emergency room or call emergency services. So um, a lot of the work we do is, is pushed toward that. And the team itself does not only the coordinators have individual cases and carry caseloads um, for individuals and work with their systems, but the um, medical director, the clinical director, the coordinators all provide um training, consultation with the broader system um, and identify partners where we can work together, um, bring expertise to bear on this population. Um, so that's a, I'm, I'm not going to go through all the others. You have the rest of the slides, I believe, um, that gives a little more detail about some of the main parts of START, but um, that kind of is a brief overview and um, and hope it helps kind of understand the model and a little bit more about people with IDD and mental health challenges. You've been listening to a podcast by University of California Television. For more information about this program or UCTV, visit us online at uctv.tv.